Good afternoon, as opposed to good morning. My name is Joe Stackler, and I am sitting in place for Chip Flory. He is in Florida. We are basically fresh back from Commodity Classic. NCAA brackets have been announced, and probably I should let you know that we are having a contest on Farm Journal. So if you go to agweb.com, there is a Bracket Busters Challenge there. And first prize, I believe, is $1,000. I believe second prize may be $500. And third prize is $250. And before I go too much further, let me also introduce our regular, Jim Wiesmeyer. Can, can you use artificial intelligence for your guesses? I don't know if that matters. How would they ever know? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think basically everybody is using artificial intelligence for their guesses. <laughs> okay. Well, it's good to be, not to miss a Monday, even though we're on later. So we see uh, Melody, hello, uh, and, and Russell's on there. Yeah. Uh, we may as well go right to one of the questions already, because I'm glad we're getting them from Russell. Uh, what's our initial thoughts on Biden's uh, $6.8 trillion budget proposal and the impacts on ag? <clears throat> well, the, my initial proposal, most of the people, including myself partially, was saying it was dead on arrival. Uh, because the House won't pass it, because the House is controlled by Republicans. But, but it does show you what Biden would want to do uh, in his second, in his, in his uh, you know, follow-up two years, and if he gets reelected. That's why it's not necessarily dead on arrival, because if Biden were to run and win re-election, and the Democrats uh, control the House and the Senate, this is exactly what they would want to push through Congress. So I'm not going to dismiss, you know, dismiss this out of hand. Uh, but it uh, does increase taxes far more than what the uh, e economy uh, uh, should, should bear. Uh, but this was mainly a political document, uh, goading, if you will, the Republicans in trying to detail what they want to do to cut costs at the same time protecting Social Security and Medicare. And it looks like that's going to happen sometime in uh, May. As far as the impacts on, on agriculture, uh, the uh, proposals by Biden and Vilsack really were not surprising in that they focused on climate change, climate mm -hmm. smart programs. Uh, they talked a lot about the farm bill, even though Congress writes the farm bill, the administration does not. And they were very, uh, uh, you know, spent a lot of words on uh, conservation spending. So that's how it would uh, uh, impact uh, agriculture, if it would ever come into fruition. Did you notice anything specifically uh, pertaining to agriculture? Anything that might be a non-starter or something that seems like it has a good chance of having bipartisan support? Well, bipartisan support is spending some money in certain areas, uh, defense, uh, you know, food and nutrition. 
but uh, the non-starters would be all those, uh, most of those taxes, especially capital gains taxes that we really need to flesh it out a little bit more, Joe, because uh, 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 just by looking at the language of a rather significant increase uh, in capital gains, that would not help uh, anyone. And it, and, and, it would, and it would also affect affect most Americans, not those just making over $400,000. So to, to me, that's a non-starter. Most of the taxes are tax increases. Mm -hmm. uh, let's swing back to Commodity Classic last week. Uh, Chip and I were there, of course, and uh, so were a lot of people, including Secretary Vilsack. Yeah, the, Vilsack uh, has been giving a similar speech uh, for the last month or so, and he may give it in uh, Thursday when he appears before the Senate Ag Committee, his first time before the committee for this new Congress. And in that, Joe, he really wants to transform the ag sector, yeah, even though the last two years have been the highest uh, in farm income in the history of the country, uh, he, he keeps saying that most farmers are not making money or are making uh, money from off-farm income than from farming. Now, when you look at the business of agriculture, uh, 15 to 20 percent of farmers produce about 85 percent of the production. I don't think he's talking about those producers. He's really talking about the 80 to 85 percent of the so of the defined farmers who produce only around 15 percent of the production. But he wants to change it. And then he he brought up former Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue under President Trump. And he said, uh, Perdue told farmers uh, to get big or get out. But uh, uh, Vilsack uh, stressed that uh, uh, we shouldn't miss the big picture was his exact words. Is it get big or get out or about creating opportunities? He called it a fundamental question. And that's where he's driving home. He keeps on saying there are other revenue streams that uh, agriculture should go for. And that's when he blends in the climate smart programs of which he's already tapped the commodity credit corporation for, for th a little over $3 billion. So uh, he, he's not shying away from this. He, he keeps saying he, he wants a big, uh, uh, a big change and that would necessitate a farm bill rethink. Uh, so that, that's what I think he'll bring Thursday to the Ag Committee. What else do you suppose that uh, he's got in store for him in that conversation? As far as what? How, what else do you suppose is in store for that conversation with the uh, Ag Committee? And well, the Ag Committee does not like, uh, they don't mind him tapping the Commodity Credit Corporation Charter Act, but not for the reasons that he used for the climate change programs. Because if you recall, Purdue tapped it uh, when President Trump was president for some of the uh, uh, payments as a result of the trade war with China. So I think that that could be you know, you know, you know, brought up. And I don't know whether they're going to bring up the need for uh, uh, additional funding, but I think Vilsack will support keeping that around $20 billion in additional funding that Congress already approved last year and is now law. There are some Republicans who want to uh, uh, alter that. So I think you'll, you'll see a difference of opinion there. And as far as more funding for a farm bill, 
uh, at the Commodity Classic, my good uh, friend, Texas A&M uh, University economist, uh, uh, Dr. Bart Fisher, uh, told the audience there that he calculated a 10% increase, Joe, in in reference prices would cost about $20 billion over 10 years, and a 20% increase would pencil out at more than $50 billion. So to to increase those reference prices is going to need a chunk of new funding. All right. Now, I uh, want to welcome everyone who's just joining us. Thank you for being flexible with uh, our schedule. Uh, Chip is on vacation this week, and I had a bunch of uh, things to take care of this morning. So we wanted to still be able to do signal to noise for you, at least the live conversation. And so we decided to do it at 12 noon central time for today. Usually we're on 8.15 to about 8.45 central time in the morning. I know a lot of you listen uh, to the podcast. And in yes. case you're wondering about how this works, uh, we, we do this live and have uh, some uh, participants uh, give us some questions. Uh, you can find us on the YouTube, uh, Facebook and uh, pages for Farm Journal and AgriTalk's Facebook page. And uh, there, if you had a question for us, you could certainly uh, join in for the live conversation. Or even afterwards, um, you can always uh, leave a question on one of those platforms and we can get to it the following week or just continue uh, listening into the podcast. That would work fine as well. I see another question here. This is from Jared Leidberg, or Leidberg. I'm Lied sorry, Jared. Uh, W-I-E. Leidberg. Leidberg, okay. I'd say, because you pronounce, if it's correct German, you pronounce <laughs> yes. the second vowel. And I should know that with my last name being Stackler, but... <laughs> What's I the latest for the emergency? He yeah. wants to know what's the latest for the emergency uh, relief program on 2022 losses. I do too, Jared. Uh, the USDA has been very quiet because they're still seeing how the uh, the phase two of ERP uh, for prior years unfolds, and uh, they're, they're, they've just been hit with a lot of criticism. You know, criticism. They haven't made many payments at all under Phase Two because, and a lot of uh, under Phase One, because it's just un almost unworkable. So let's hope it changes for 2022. Uh, um, I'll I'll be checking in to see what when what time frame. That they'll announce. But uh, at the Commodity Classic, uh, USDA officials said uh, they were woefully short of the funding needed uh, for phase two. Well, it was USDA's estimates that told Congress last year how much they wanted. I think it was about $3.4 billion, if I'm right. But uh, whatever the final tally was, it was way low. So I don't know whether that's going to have to be dealt with in a follow-on appropriations uh, in this uh, this year's Congress or not. But we're kind of in flux right now on the uh, ERP. ERP phase one was a very uh, farmer-friendly program. Most farmers I've talked with really liked how it was easier to calculate. Uh, they got the money out right away, uh, et cetera. And I think there's been over seven billion dollars released as a result of that program that's all i know under erp but we'll keep checking all right and i see also austin heiniger 
is uh, asking about something that we certainly have on our docket of topics, and that's unless you've already talked about it, what does the SVP, the, uh, the bank situation, mean for the average person? Silicon Valley bank situation mean for the average person? Now, Chip uh, had a conversation last Friday uh, with Jim McCormick of uh, agmarket.net, and that's when everything started to break about this story. And one of the things he cautioned our listeners against was that uh, U.S. ag should not uh, be unconcerned by this. He's like, what you know, what if uh, the average farmer or uh, rancher or ag business person might be thinking, well, why should this concern me? That's a fairly big bank, he made the point to say, that owns a lot of smaller banks. And uh, so it could have some sort of ripple effect. But as uh, Austin's asking, what does it mean uh, for the average person, at yeah. least? Well, that's why you saw the pre uh, President Biden uh, has already uh, made a an address uh, saying our banking system is safe, it's working. The, the Treasury Department of Federal Reserve announced several things Sunday and again today uh, regarding, um, I don't know whether some people are calling it a bailout, but uh, uh, what I saw is they're trying to settle things down so there's not contagion, so it doesn't spread. There's never just one bank involved. We've already seen, I think, three. But, the, but to me, there's some uh, some uh, um, high anxiety moves that I think the Fed did because it looks like they guaranteed $230 billion of uninsured deposits as well as insured deposits at that uh, VB bank and Signature Bank. And Signature Bank got a lot into crypto. And uh, I don't see that spreading, but let me put bottom line. It looks right now like the market is at least saying, okay, you have this under control for now. They're, they're afraid of another two, a shoe or two uh, will fall. Uh, that's why you're seeing volatility in the financial markets uh, today. Uh, but I just looked at the uh, Fed funds futures and they're now 80.5% for a 25-point basis point increase in the uh, Fed funds rate uh, March 22nd, on the second day of the FOMC meeting later this month, and only 19.5% for no increase. Recall just last week that it was very close to being either a 25 or a 50 basis point increase in the Fed funds rate. And then you have Goldman Sachs, a, a reputable investment firm, saying today they don't think there'll be any increase in interest rates uh, on March the 22nd. I just don't agree with that myself. The reason I don't agree is our inflation is still six around 6%. The Fed usually likes the Fed funds rate at two percentage points above the inflation rate. So we've got a lot. This doesn't change the overall inflation uh, 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 situation uh, in this country. So to me, if the Fed doesn't uh, uh, increase rates at all, they're even more nervous about this banking situation than some people think. Mm -hmm. 
And then they had uh, good jobs numbers last week too, didn't they? Uh, they had, it was a little bit for everybody on that. But this week, uh, Joe, we're going to get, tomorrow we're going to get a consumer price index. Wednesday, we're going to get producer price index. And those are going to be two key reports going into that uh, uh, FOMC meeting. But again, I want to take a hit at the at the Federal Reserve because I think it's one of the, the, the uh um, weakest uh, Fed I've covered in decades uh, because they got us into this pickle on inflation. Uh, they sh should have started uh, increasing interest rates a year before they did. And uh, recall that they and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen kept on calling inflation transitory when, when it wasn't. And now they're having to, to increase interest rates more, uh, longer than what uh, most people would have thought just a few months ago. And now with this latest banking uh, hubbub, uh, why, why wasn't there regulations in place in the monitoring end to catch those? Uh, this is what I think Congress is going to be delving into in the months ahead. Here we go again. This time it was a, not a, not a small bank, but it wasn't these colossal, uh, banks that we've had before. This is not 2008 is what people keep telling me, hmm. but this was as a result of, uh, not good banking uh, rules uh, you know, following and the degree of uh, uninsured uh, borrowers that should have known uh, what they were doing. And what's really got Washington in a kerfuffle, Joe, is that just hours before uh, the announcement of help uh, from the Fed, uh, the banks, uh, the bank in this case, gave bonuses out to some of their officials that won't hit the vast majority of Americans very well. No. About the uh, the inaction from a year ago, have we talked about what any possible reasons for it? Was it just frozen into inaction, not knowing what to do when they're seeing the signs for inflation? Or... I, well, I, yeah, to be fair, I just think they believed that that it wasn't it transitory. wasn't uh, I think they really believed it, it was transitory but I, I think in this case uh, the Treasury Secretary Yellen and and uh, Jerome J Powell's Fed uh, chair I, I say in my speeches frankly I don't think they ever shopped themselves for themselves if they did they would have seen those food prices not only go up keep going up and staying up if they would have filled their own uh, maybe they got evs but uh, if they would have filled their own cars with gasoline they would have seen the impact there if they would have listened to the common person out there uh, they would have realized that costs were going up so th they were just out of touch okay because i i was wondering also about uh, the you know not raising interest rates for a year ago simply because it'd be the unpopular thing to do as opposed to maybe the smart thing to do? Well, I can see Yellen uh, doing that as a political person in the Treasury Department, but I can't see the Fed doing that. But recall that Yellen was a Fed chairwoman before mm -hmm. Jane, uh, uh, you know, Jerome J. Powell. So mm -hmm. I, I, I think she should have known better as well. Okay. So we're just even in agriculture. We're going to have higher interest rates by this time next year. You're going to have double digit uh, interest rates for operating loans. Prove me wrong. I hope wow. I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Wow. Let's move on to WOTUS. We just had a, a, ro a rule. 
House yeah, you Senate. had yeah, you had a new rule by the administration late last year, sometime in, in December. And then you had the House last re week approved a resolution that got some farm media all excited because they really put the kibosh on the new rule. But uh, number one, the House didn't have the votes to override a threatened veto by President Biden, so it's going nowhere. And the Senate this week is going to vote on a similar resolution on the waters of the U.S. Even if it were to be approved, it doesn't take the 60 votes. It's just majority vote. It's going nowhere, Joe because uh, Biden said he would veto it. So that means that the, the real thing we're waiting for is the Supreme Court ruling, ruling on the waters of the U.S. And uh, it's a controversial rule. We may not get that until uh, May or June this year. All right. I know that we are going to have Congressman Sam Graves back on AgriTalk very soon to get his perspective on that issue as we have been for the past at least two, three years. Uh, moving on, the Biden administration uh, finally turning the corner on trade policy. What do you think about that? Well, that you know, I think they could be. Our sources in the White House are uh, whispering to us that uh, a potential trade agreement with the United Kingdom uh, could be uh, coming yet this year, at least beginning talks. These things take a while, uh, Joe. And Secretary Vilsack at, in Florida uh, it w was interesting because he, he said that... Uh, that we should really be discussing the enforcement of, uh, of our existing trade agreements in order to support the eventual call for trade promotion, for renewing trade promotion authority in Congress. Now, it's expired. And under TPA or Fast Track, that just allows Congress to vote on a new trade agreement without any amendment, so an up or down vote. So uh, I think that's, you know, uh, you know, that's important uh, that Vilsack even mentioned the phrase trade promotion authority. We haven't heard much out of uh, uh, out of trade policy from the Biden administration during the first two years, but we're starting to hear it. I think that's a good sign because agriculture needs market access. So we need new trade agreements, especially if we keep on getting into uh, negative uh, foreign relations with with one of our biggest customers, China. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if he's the Biden administration is turning a corner on trade, what about on energy and Alaska and oil? Yeah, well, you're seeing the same thing. He's track Biden is tracking in some cases to the middle. Oh, that's interesting. Going into 2024 possible re-election drive. Uh, now, in the case of the energy, this is the Willow Project in Alaska. And in fact, I think they announced it this morning officially. I, I want to see the language. I don't trust anybody. I want to see the language of their announcement. But I think it's been scaled back, but it's still a step in the right direction for producing our own oil. Now, at the same time, uh, he, he, he's expanding the number of acres that you cannot uh, produce or drill on. So it's kind of the carrot and the stick approach. But this is, a, this is an announcement that's not going to get his environmental activists in the Democratic Party happy at all. But it shows to me 
that Biden continues to track toward the middle as he tries to get more balance coming into what appears to be a re-election race for 2024, Joe. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just wanted to remind everyone out there who's joining us live that uh, if you would like to ask a question, uh, please do so in the comments section of whatever platform that you are joining us through, and we will try to get to it. I see that uh, we missed a good point made by Gary Rasmussen about the issue with the um, ESG. Yeah. That the SFB, you can imagine a, a bank in California would be big in ESG, and in this case, uh, uh, they were. So, yeah, this is a sensitive uh, issue out there, and I think it's, uh, they'll never admit this, probably uh, uh, another reason why they came to the assistance of them. And Melody, uh, at the beginning of the show, also had this observation. Uh, Lots of sulfur dioxide in northern hemisphere atmosphere due to volcanic activity. Oh, my goodness. I remember in the early days of Pro Farmer, this would be the 70s, by the way, uh, writing volcanic stories of how it impacted the weather. So I'm going to, Melody, I'm going to go back to that research and see what uh, you know? Yeah, you know what are the uh, uh, impacts and and uh, on the degree of that volcanic activity? So look for that one. You know, I've heard a, a bit about uh, the lack of sulfur uh, in today's atmosphere. I guess you could say mm. for agriculture and how the important uh, role that it plays. And so uh, maybe this could be helpful somehow too. I don't know about it. I don't know anything about it, but I'm just. I hear things, and when it filters through my brain, especially uh, some of the <laughs> rules of how ag works uh, and all that stuff, uh, I'll just embarrass myself if I keep going <laughs> You know, before we go on, I want to give a shout out. I give a lot of speeches, as you know, Joe. I was in Oklahoma last week, I think it was. And uh, Shelly Heinrich, she's the Southern Plains Regional Communications Manager. She's in Texas. And we were discussing uh, cotton, of course. And I was telling her, uh, I like to wear cotton shirts rather than polyester shirts when I give speeches, but I've been having a hard time finding a shirt for me that's cool like polyester. And ever since I've been saying that, the cotton warehousemen have sent me some excellent shirts. And just this morning, here I get a package uh, of two shirts from uh, from uh, uh, Shelly and one with the uh, you know USA that I can't wait to wear. Uh, Pima cotton. Uh, so it pays to uh, to talk to the cotton people. I mean, I'll pay for it if I have to. But and they're really comfortable. I tried them on. So I'm telling you, this is I love the business of agriculture because they deliver. <laughs> oh, that's very true, too. Absolutely. Uh, moving on. How about delivery of grain export pact? Huh, how's that for a segue? The deadline, March 18th. 
Oh, you mean the Ukraine pack, the grain pack? Yes. Uh, yeah, this is following uh, the last time that it was uh, the fits and starts for the renewal, Joel. It's following it to the T, where uh, Putin says it's not working and it's favoring the Western nations and it's hurting uh, the sanctions on Russia, et cetera. Then you get the United Nations, of course, who helped broker it involved. Turkey issued some statements. Uh, the market is uh, clearly signaling at this stage that they think it will be renewed. Ukraine wants to increase the number of ports allowed uh, to transport. So that will be something to watch if if that happens, Joe. Okay. And the deadline again, March the 18th. We, we'll probably go up right, right near it, 17th or 18th. So get ready for it. You know, another one, I got an email from a, a signal to noise uh, a listener in this case about egg prices. And I think you mentioned egg prices earlier. Uh, U.S. chicken producers want to do their part to bring down the, those soaring uh, energy prices. And how does that get into policy? Well, they want to sell the 400 million surplus eggs to food producers. And you think, what, can't they do that now? No, they have to convince the Food and Drug Administration to alter the rule that prevents eggs laid by chickens in the meat industry to be used for human consumption. Now, that National Chicken Council uh, trade group recently, I think last week, submitted a formal petition to the FDI asking officials to drop the rule passed in 2009 that keeps uh, chicken producers from selling their excess eggs because they aren't refri refrigerated right away. So this this is an interesting uh, topic that I've been watching and will will continue to report on. Are those uh, eggs that uh, weren't refrigerated right away? Are are those? Yeah, saying? I don't know how long they take to refrigerate them. That's one of the questions I've asked uh, both USDA and and FDA. So. What we're going to see. You want them to be good eggs. I would imagine they're still good, yes. but that's 400 million surplus eggs. You think that would that wouldn't help? <laughs> so who would those go to? Not not people, right? Or to food they? producers. Producers. Okay. okay. Yeah, because you know I buy blueberry muffins uh, almost every week at Harris Teeter, my supermarket. It's owned by Kroger, and I had to skip buying them because they went up from four dollars three ninety nine a pack oh. to seven dollars. Yeah. And I ask, and eggs was, you know, part of the reason. Yeah, sure. Um, back to Secretary Vilsack. Did we talk about his use of the uh, Commodity Credit Corp charter? Yeah, in, in a way. He wants to, he, he said in uh, Florida that he wants to keep using um, the CCC. That's the Commodity Credit Corporation Charter Act. I think I've got his direct quote in here because I knew I wanted to talk about it. He said it's important for him to continue to have authority to tap that CCC uh, Charter Act. He said uh, that's USDA's line of credit at the Treasury because he said it was strengthened biosecurity. So that's an interesting phrase there. Uh, but I'll tell you, Republicans are going to propose restricting his flexibility in using the CCC. And Vilsack said that, quote, is a problem. And he also uh, used the CCC to help poultry uh, growers faced uh, with avian influenza. And that's, a, that's an email uh, I get from a lot of uh, 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 
poultry producers? Uh, what additional help will they get from the horrible situation called bird flu? We have a comment from Rose Boy about Bitcoin. Do we... Let me see what it says. While it may not be directly related, it does seem that Bitcoin has entered the cultural zeitgeist in a much larger way than in 2017. Uh, blah, 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 bottom line. Regardless of whether or not the conversation is a positive one, the attention that Bitcoin is getting is arguably positive under the trope no press. Uh, I'm at a loss to why Bitcoin is in a uh, significant rally here. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know this it's it's about as unregulated of a market as you're ever going to get and it will eventually be regulated but uh, uh, let me just tell you my only experience was a couple years with Bitcoin when I met two young Chinese individuals who were really good at trading Bitcoin and they wanted me to trade. And I said, no way. And they kept after me. And I said, okay, if you do the trading for me, I'll dabble into it. Long story short, that was the, that those were the days when Bitcoin kept going up, up and up and it helped pay for my kitchen remodel. But I'll tell you, I had the foggiest idea how they were doing doing it when I watched them. And I said, it was four times wilder than the Wild West. I left it and not going back. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I'll probably stay away as well. Um, but, you know, who knows? Uh, we uh, were watching CPI this week, uh, Secretary of Vilsack, Ag uh, um, uh, committee hearing and so forth. What else are we watching for this? Well, week? I would say watch this situation with the banks. Let's just sure. hope, you know, I'm hoping that there's not contagion because, you know, that's a, it's an emotional issue yeah, uh, sure. whenever you have a run on bank. This was a classic run on a bank and a lesson should have been learned by that bank, uh, SVB, because they had the fast preponderance being uninsured loans. So they were vulnerable. So I think that's a policy initiative we're going to have to look into. But let's just hope it it's just limited to a few. Uh, there could be one or two more. But uh, the Fed and the Treasury Department and the White House, they, they really did what they, in most cases, they did what they had to do to stem the high anxiety. And it looks like the markets are saying so far so good, but the, but they're still, uh, I mean, this was the SVB is the U.S.'s history's second largest bank collapse. So you can't, yeah. you can't say it doesn't mean much. That, that, that's big. So those are the items uh, of importance this week, uh, Joe. And then going into the March uh, 22nd FOMC meeting to see whether or not the Fed will alter their viewpoint as a result of this credit, uh, of this banking situation. Oh. Uh, we're just going to let the numbers, uh, you know, tell us uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Okay, very good. Uh, if you would like to read Jim's columns, uh, go to tryprofarmer.com. Uh, this afternoon, AgriTalk will be hosted by Davis Michelson. That's our market show. And tomorrow morning, we'll have one of the pre-recorded shows for those signals. Thank you. <laughs>